What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'm Mariana here today with Tony, and it's no secret the fitness industry sucks, period. Whether it's the corrupt multi billion dollar supplement and weight loss industry or the endless supply of influencers promoting anything to drive paid views, dollars in the box. The bottom line is we're not trying to provide just another fitness podcast, but actually change the fitness industry for the better, providing you with the knowledge and tools to give you confidence in applying the best possible training and nutrition supplementation into your own life. Today, we're going to be discussing some of the most talked about supplements on the market, specifically pertaining to gut health, a buzzword that everyone's familiar with at this point. We've touched on before. Now we're giving probiotics, prebiotics, digestive enzymes, mm-hmm. the beloved L-glutamine at the moment that's particularly hot. Gotta be the biggest. Uh, <laughs> greens powders. And then one that I would say is not as popular, um, but peppermint oil. Before we dive into that, the show is free and always will be free. One of the best ways you can support us so we can reach as many people as possible. Leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. And also on Spotify, you can now give us a little follow. Actually, you've been able to do that, but we can see how many followers we have. And that way you get updates every time we post a new episode. I'm loving the social media aspect of Spotify, how they keep changing it. I know. I know. I think it's good, but I'm waiting to see how that will evolve. It'll be good until everyone sees my like sad boy playlist and they can just follow it and look along like it's a social media. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want anybody to see this stuff. And then of course, if you really like the research aspect that we bring into every single episode, make sure you join us over on the premium membership where you almost get a little bonus episode every single Friday, we drop the fitness stuff research review on top of our normal episodes that premium members have specific access to where we dive even deeper into specific studies, addressing individual nuances, showing you how to apply each of these aspects into your own specific lifestyle, while also teaching you more about how to read and interpret research. It's only five bucks for your first month and 10 every month after that. And you get a whole host of other benefits like monthly AMA episodes, exclusive partnership deals that we don't take any commission from, but we offer the discounts to our premium members like Merrick Health, soon to be Thorne, and many, many more. Outside of that, a quick shout out to our sponsor since day one, Legion Athletics. Finally, Legion released, because they've been asked for so long, a probiotic and prebiotic, which is now, I just learned, called a symbiotic. Yes. Right. So that's the technical term of it, a symbiotic supplement, right? With over 25 billion live active cultures of some of the top research strains, it's lab tested for potency and purity. And here's the coolest part. And I don't want you to run over there and just go buy a probiotic because I want you to listen to this episode to see if it even makes sense in the first place for you. But if it does, Legion has a money back guarantee if you don't like their supplements, not, not just if you don't like it. If you're not 100% satisfied, you don't even have to send it back. You just say, hey, I wasn't 100% satisfied. And they give you 100% money back, which is absolutely huge. And even more something I'm excited about. And it just came out literally today, not at the time that you guys are listening, but the time of this recording. So a few days in advance, they came out with a new form of magnesium supplement. They came out with sucrosomial magnesium. It's a new form of magnesium that's encased in sucresters, which we'll talk about here in a second. But we've talked about magnesium a lot on this podcast in different episodes in our top five supplements. We'll probably honestly have a full episode on it one day just because over 50% of Americans are estimated to not get their RDA through food 
alone. And this is a big deal because this is a, a mineral that's supported in thousands of chemical reactions necessary for optimal health in your life, from blood pressure to insulin resistance to improve cardiovascular health, improve strength and athletic performance. Magnesium is absolutely huge. And why this sucrosomial magnesium is the next step up is it has an even higher bioavailability than magnesium biglycinate or oxide, which just makes it better assimilated into bodily tissue in the body than other forms. That's a big deal. And they just came out with it at the time of listening about five days ago, but just dropped today. If you've been looking to get your hands on a good magnesium supplement and you can find both the biome is the name for it and sucrosomial magnesium. We'll put that in the show notes down below and you get 20% off your first order or double points with every order after that code FSPOD at checkout. We didn't shout out Legion's protein for the first time in like since we started. <laughs> so this is a good time to talk about it, right? There's one thing we don't usually shut up about on this podcast. It's protein, just because whatever goal you have, whether it's to lose fat and lean out, build muscle and get stronger, or even just improve your quality of life, protein is usually somewhere towards the center of what you should be focusing on from a dietary perspective. And a commonly asked question I think that a lot of people have is which type of protein should you choose? Because there's a few different types. There's quite a lot that can make it a little bit difficult. We all have our personal preferences about taste or quantity, but we're partnering with The Strong Inside, which is an educational resource. They're not trying to sell you anything, but to help you learn more about proteins from milk, specifically whey protein. If you didn't already know, whey protein is a protein derived from milk and tested as the highest quality form of protein. That's because it's a complete protein, meaning it contains all nine essential amino acids, and it's absorbed more quickly than other types of proteins. It's found not just in your basic whey protein powder, but also added to protein bars and shakes. Just look for either whey, whey protein concentrate, or whey protein isolate on the labels, and they all deliver a high protein content. Exactly. And today, even thank gosh, more people are taking a look at the science and taking a more evidence-based approach to finding their best protein. And the strong inside is just on a mission to educate people about the benefits of complete proteins from milk, why we partner with them in the first place. And we turn down about 99% of everybody else they want <laughs> to educate. But after you figure out, after you figure out what type of protein is probably best for you, the question always comes up is how much do you need based on your personal needs? And the strong inside has a really cool individualized protein calculator that takes into account your body weight, your fitness level, your goal, your life stage. So you can actually get a more individual number instead of the one size fits all that is usually available on social media. So we'll drop that mm. ca calculator in the show notes below, but it's also on the strong inside.com. Now we're here. Okay. We're now talking we about, here. we're talking about the latest buzzword, the latest buzzword. One of them, we've talked about these all the time, testosterone booster, anything that's going to boost mm -hmm. your testosterone. That's a buzzword. Now I think gut health, and oh probiotics gosh. and all these, these are becoming words. And this is something that you've highlighted on because a lot of your education was to do with gut health. Gut health, correct? yeah, the microbiome. Yep, it is. I look at gut health and like healing your gut as the new like low carb. <laughs> like, <laughs> that bad? That is, that's how I view it. And I think in a decade or so, we'll just, it's different. It's definitely an evolving field of research, but in terms of the claims that come from it and the absolute bullshit that the gut health world has become when it comes to using all these products to cure, say it cures your gut health, reset mm -hmm. your gut. It's just become this huge marketing disaster almost, not for companies. Oh, for not consumers. for companies. <laughs> no, not for companies. It works for companies. It reels in the money. Just say heal your gut and 
hopefully one skinny, pretty influencer picks up on it so that everyone else will. Like, sorry, that's just the truth. That, okay, heal your gut. That's the buzzword. Not just anything mm-hmm. else, but heal your gut or gut Let's. reset. I think I've heard gut reset three times today on social media alone. I was thinking about it this yeah. morning. That's mm-hmm. the new buzz. Actually, I think this is where we wanted to dive in because, and this is what you've helped me understand and listening to a lot of other experts in the world. Gut health, for those wondering, it's not simple. It's actually probably one of the least simple systems in our entire body. And that's why these supplements can get away with saying marketing, whatever they want is because we don't fully understand a lot of what's going on. Right. And that's how they can get away with this is it heals your gut. It's not specific because we don't really know the specifics of gut health yet, at least in, in super detail. And that's why all these different supplements of probiotics, prebiotics, digestive enzymes haven't been being sold for that long at all. Things yeah. like L-glutamine, like you said, greens, powders, peppermint oil, all these things are popping up more and more. But it's important as we go into this episode, I think, to just understand how individual individualized gut health is, yeah. right? Would you say going into it, there's not a, there's far from a one-size-fits-all approach? Yeah, there's far from it. And there also never will be a mm-hmm. one-size-fits-all because our composition is different from person to person. And so that's just something to keep in mind, especially... And that's also why it is so hard to study in humans. There are so many factors that I've said this before, but so many factors that influence your gut health. Again, diet is one of, if not the most important factor, but that to look at anything, any one single, whether it's a single food, a single supplement drink, I don't care and say that this heals your gut indefinitely or cures any of your problems is the most, I would say to date, like right now, idiotic claim anyone can make and biggest red flag. And that's not trying to be rude. It's just, if you're already coming on the internet and claiming to be this expert that can even Mm -hmm. say this, and you're not taking into account individual differences between people when it comes to gut health, then you, there's no need for anyone to listen to what you're saying. Yeah. A huge red flag. Because here's how I kind of understand it. You could throw it back to like middle school science class. I just remember when the teacher would bring up like six or seven different test tubes and they'd all have different colored chemicals inside of their water. One would be red, one would be green, one would be yellow, one would be this. And then you have a dropper of let's say like a red chemical. And it's that same red dropper, just like one supplement or one food or one anything in all those different test tubes are like everyone's different gut microbiome. There's trillions, hundreds of trillions of living bacteria in your gut. So you drop in each test tube and it's going to have a completely different reaction into all test tubes because of what's already in there. And I don't think people take that into account when you're taking a supplement for your gut health is you're going to be completely different than the person next to you and the person next to them. And that's at least a good analogy I've thought of it. Does that kind of nail it on the head or am I missing it there? No, I think that's good. At the end of the day, you don't need a scientific background to understand that we are different. At baseline, if anything, like with any supplement and any diet, anything anyone's trying to push to you, blaming it to be this cure-all or fixing a common problem that people have is, well, at the end of the day, we are all different. So having that expectation that it's very likely this isn't going to work for me too. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a background in, in any sort of research or science. It, that's more so critical, a little bit of critical thinking, which is lacking yeah. on the internet, but I don't think our audience lacks that. No, um, no. Okay. That's actually, a, <laughs> well, no, it's a good point. We talked about in that, like, how do you tell who to listen to and who not to? And that's a good red flag is you don't have to know exactly what someone's talking about, yeah. but if they're taking a very individualized and complex problem 
and prescribing one solution to it. You don't have to know what the solution is. You don't have to know what the complex problem is, but you know that that doesn't fit. Those two pieces don't fit yeah. together. Yeah. And that's a big red flag in going through it. So I think we're going to separate each of these supplements into categories, correct? And break down when they might be useful, when they might be not, which ones are worth it. And we're going to start off, I think, with probiotics, mm -hmm. correct? Which we've talked yeah. about here and there before, but we wanted to kind of dive deep into it now before you dive into others. And I think a good point to start, because I want you to break down what exactly probiotics are. Actually, how about you start there? Break down like what probiotics are before I go into the whole fact that they're still a supplement. Yeah. So <laughs> probiotics at very, a very simplified definition even is that they are the beneficial bacteria in your gut. So there is both good and bad gut bacteria. You need a balance of both. It's not like you ever, you never want to rid all of the quote unquote bad bacteria. You want to mm. have a good balance. And oftentimes, especially in America, especially if you're following a more standard American diet, the good gut bacteria is typically where people tend to fall off. Mm. This good gut bacteria thrives off of high fiber foods. That's what feeds the good gut bacteria. So that is why if you've ever wondered like, wait, probiotic, prebiotic. Why aren't they this? They must be very, very similar. They sound the same. Well, yeah. So the reason why they have there's pro and pre is the prebiotic. So think of before is actually what feeds the probiotics, which I think is very fascinating to think about. Fascinating yeah. to think about. And it allows those probiotics to thrive. So yeah, thinking probiotics, it's the beneficial gut bacteria. They're in needed, required for a healthy, thriving gut microbiome and also for other processes that are going on in your body. Yeah. At baseline. Yeah. And it's an important <laughs> distinction because I think I even misspoke as I entered that is probiotics aren't just a supplement. You can buy a probiotic oh, yeah. supplement <laughs> with live cultures inside, which is containing the live bacteria, but you also consume them through foods, mostly fermented foods like we went through a whole list of those on our previous episodes, but they're not just a supplement. I think some people yeah. categorize them as that, but especially the separation between pre and probiotic. Most mm -hmm. people have no clue what the difference. One's alive, mm -hmm. little buggers in the freaking pill, and the other is not, right? It feeds those. Yeah. We have a whole probiotic episode, so this is going to be a more condensed version, but we will link that in the show notes if you want to go listen to that. I highly recommend it, but that is yeah. a lot more in detail. Yeah, a lot more detail in probiotics. And I think we want to start off, and this is something that I really wanted to cover, is remembering that everything we talk about today, but this is, I'm going to pull some research specifically about probiotics. We have to remember this is still a supplement in the supplement industry. We talk a lot about that on this show. What's one thing that we can be certain of in the supplement industry? It is the Wild West. There are very little regulations. There are, there's very little control. Just because there's so much going on, it's almost impossible to keep track of everything. And that doesn't stem away from probiotics. I feel like sometimes people don't think of probiotics as grouping them as the whey proteins, the multivit, whatever. They don't group them in the same for some reason. I think that's sometimes because probiotics can be more expensive. They're thought of more of a luxury sometimes. I feel like people categorize them differently, but it's the same, right? And there's yeah. actually been some research looking and testing and third-party testing a lot of these probiotic supplements to really see what's actually in them. Because we know that from the episode with Mike Matthews, which was great, really peeling the curtains back on the supplement industry. There's not a lot regulating that these companies are putting what they say they are in their supplements if they're not third-party tested. And there's been countless companies that have been busted with this before, right? Yeah. When someone actually goes and gets some tests and files a lawsuit. 
Now, there was this particular research review that was published in the Frontiers of Microbiology. There's a journal and these, these researchers were out of Italy. So these researchers out of Italy, what they did is they tested how many living probiotics were actually found in the most popular probiotic supplements. You're going to be surprised, not as many as you might think. So what they did, and they separated this review and they reviewed over 104 different products from multitude of different studies. But what they did is they tested three things, right? They tested the actual amount of living probiotics compared to what was on the label. And I say living probiotics because, and Mariana's even educated me on this part, through the packaging, the shipping, the distribution, they might be alive at the time that they are in the warehouse where they're produced, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean they're going to be alive when they get to you. Yeah. And that's essentially worthless at that point. So yeah. what they did was they tested the amount of actual living probiotics compared to what was on the label. You know, and they usually do say how many billions of cultures are in there at the time, right? So they tested that for one thing, if the amount was compared to on the label. The second thing is whether or not the supplement contained pathogens, right? Pathogens being something that contaminates and could potentially even lead to disease in humans. So did they even uh, can contain those? And third is the microbial composition, right? If the strains, the individual specific strains of probiotic on the label were the actual strains in the supplement. And that's something that Mariana dove deep into in that first episode of probiotics. Yeah. Is the strain matters. The specific strain matters. Not all probiotics are the same. So they tested all these three things. Now, when it came to the composition, so did the strains match? This is where they pulled the largest, the most supplements were tested, right? 104 of the top supplements, of the top probiotic supplements from around the globe were testing. Out of the 104 supplements, only 56 had matching strains to what they contained on the label. Only 56. So that's about, that's almost 46% of probiotic supplements didn't even have the same strain that they listed on the label, right? Mm -hmm. Almost half. They said, oh, this is what you're getting, the lactobacillus, whatever it is. And it's just nowhere to be found in this supplement. They also tested, and this was the only piece they, they tested, 37 functional food products. So foods marketed with probiotics, so like Danon, Activia, things that people might be aware of. And only athletic greens. <laughs> well, no, these were food products. I wonder that, that would be a food oh, product, would it? But we'll talk about athletic greens. Oh, later. we're getting to them. We're getting to them. <laughs> Stay but, the whole thing. But for them, functional foods either. For them, functional foods. No, for those functional <laughs> foods, like the activity of the yogurts, the things like that, only 15 of the 37 functional foods match the label, right? So 44% match the label. Over half didn't match the label. So that was when it came to strain for strain but not necessarily how many live cultures were there, anything like that. Now, they also mm -hmm. tested again for viable cells, how many live probiotics were guaranteed by an expiration date. And that's what these, at least by the guidelines permitted, and that does not mean they have to follow these, but the guidelines by the FDA means they do have to list how many live probiotics you will expect by the expiration date. So that mm -hmm. does not mean these will last forever because shocking, this is not the best living scenario in a little pill right? They don't love living there. It's not the best, no. right? But they tested 20 different probiotic supplements or sorry, 29 different probiotic supplements here. And only 15 out of the 29 probiotic supplements were compliant, meaning nearly half contained less than the guaranteed amount live at the time that it got to you. And this isn't even getting into the conversation of how far they make it down to your gut without being massacred. Yeah. That's right? before, before you even take them. it, right? So is it even live at the point you get it? So nearly half, right? So almost half are dead by the time they even get to you. Now, the last piece was the microbiological purity 
right? Meaning were they contaminated? Were they free of pathogenic organisms, right? Pathogens being those things that could be, that can contribute to human disease. Then they tested 17 of these products for purity, seven of those 17 supplements. So 41% were contaminated with pathogens as well. Meaning, I mean, that's pretty close to half across the board. Half of all these supplements tested, no matter how big of a scale, only half of them, pretty much, only half of them contain the actual amount of probiotics alive that they promised. Only half of them even matched the strain from what was on the label. And less than half of them were even contaminated with pathogens in there, right? So this is no different than any other supplement that you could find on the market when it comes to purity. Have you heard those numbers before? Are those shocking to you or not really? I have. And this is why this is one of the very, very few and rare reasons or rare, rare times, I would say, why I would typically it makes sense to buy a more expensive one. Of course, it being third party tested and also take again, there can be some that are not more expensive that are not third party party tested or take any advance to make sure they have the proper distribution, manufacturing, like all of the preservation things again. But typically the ones that do like say a Legion or a seed mm -hmm. put more money into one, like the third party testing, but also in the design of their capsules. Mm -hmm. So making sure that these probiotics stay alive, not only from the point of, you know, de de delivering from the package center all the way to your yeah. counter, right. But also once they hit your intestine, so you can't completely always guarantee, but when you're designing the capsule of these probiotics, it's incredibly important that you design them so they can stay alive and surpass your stomach acid as well. I was going to say um, that first barrier, right? The extreme yeah. pH of your stomach acid, Yeah. which you don't have so. to worry about with a lot of vitamins and minerals, right? Like that's yeah. not as big of an issue, but these are live creatures. They're alive. <laughs> so if they just get thrown yeah. in there, and that's why I think another thing we're going to talk about with the whole greens powders containing these probiotics is there's there's nothing encapsulating these yeah. probiotics it goes straight into your stomach acid yeah essentially which is not a good sign and this is actually the last cool piece that i wanted to remind and this is why quality really matters not just in third-party testing of if it's alive but the how it's delivered right and this was actually a yeah. cool study that actually was testing how many of these probiotics they tested the top 11 that they could find actually make it past your digestive tract so it's at the point where they can actually be effective Right. So how many of these probiotics were still present in the ileum of the small intestine, the last part of your small intestine where you want to get to them to? And the survival rate really drops off depending on what it's made with, how it's encapsulated. And also why I think we're going to talk about the difference between eating fermented foods and taking yeah. a supplement as well. Because for example, like fermented milk, fat globule, globules, fat <laughs> globules, 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 they can have a protective effect on these probiotic cells. So that's also something that can come along with a lot of these fermented foods. Now, only two of these 11 supplements, and this is the funniest part, two of the 11 supplements tested actually contained what was on the label before they even put them through the digestion process. So only two of 11 that they got even had as much as they did. They all still had live probiotic cultures, but less than the amount that they had listed. And only six of the 11 supplements were actually able to be found at an amount estimated as the minimum ideal level to promote probiotic benefits in the host in the ileum, that last part of that small intestine. So again, Which around that Which is where half, they provide their effect. The exactly. Ileum. So only like half of them got there in the minimum <laughs> ideal level, the minimum ideal level, not saying it's great, 
but it's something again to think about when we're talking about supplements versus food. Mm -hmm. Yep. I mean, that is, and that's a piece that people really fail to consider when it comes to probiotics. It's really crazy to me how people can just claim them as this just insane cure all that is going. Yeah. You don't even know half of the time you're using a brand where this is not even going to reach your small intestine. So yeah. it just dies as soon as it. you take it in. Yeah. It's not even people something I think considered it. really, but it makes sense. I mean, that's what you got to think about. This is a live culture. Mm -hmm. This is alive. Not like any other supplement. I get asked about things, kombucha but... a lot. And yeah. again, kombucha is one of those. It's not like a, one of the probiotics found in dairy, which is again, like Tony was saying, the fat can help preserve them. But kombucha, we have no idea if the scobies, which is where these probiotics live, if those are still alive once mm -hmm. you drink them. And also it's very hard to know if they would survive once they reach your stomach. So kombucha, I would say that is if you're looking, if you're strictly buying kombucha for your gut health and for the probiotics, stop wasting your money. Kombucha is pricey no matter it's where like you get it five bucks from. a bottle. Uh, that is the probably out of all of the probiotic sources, the worst one you could possibly choose. Yeah. Still and good for the taste. So good for the taste. But if you're strictly like I'm yeah. buying this to do it, you it's could like be a doing fun it. beverage. Yeah. You could have you could just be doing it much more efficiently. <laughs> that, that's yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. Then I think moving on into really talking about, okay, how do these probiotics target gut health yeah. if at all? The ones that do work. Um, yeah. The ones that actually yeah, the ones that do work. might have an impact. And also to be clear, which we talk about in the probiotic episode, there are probiotics targeted for skin health. There are pro probiotics targeted for like women and men's health, different ones. We're strictly going to be talking about digestive health because the different strains, again, matter. But research mainly for when it comes to gut health and probiotics is done in those with IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. And you'll find this as a repeating pattern as we go on in this episode. And one of the reasons for that is because IBS is, it's a functional GI disorder that has a bunch of, you could have a bunch of common symptoms but not everyone's IBS is exactly the same, but it is easy to, easier to recruit a large group of people with IBS because you could get that from hospital reports, doctor's reports. You can get a good sample population that you can control for versus someone just saying, you know, I'm bloated. Are you bloated just because you just ate food? Do you have this discomfort? So it's really, really nice to be able to have that population. But again, it's not this extreme chronic disease that is very rare. It's very common. I think an estimated like 70 million Americans struggle with IBS at some point wow. in their life. Yeah. Research regarding their effectiveness for the treatment of IBS is mixed, but there's some a lot of promising research and this is ongoing. And I think we'll find out a lot more in, within like the next five years. But a recent review reported that seven of the studies that were included indicated IBS improvement with probiotic mm. supplementation. Four did not, but a multi-strain probiotic they found seems to bring the most IBS improvement, especially when taken for longer than eight weeks. And the study also mentioned that the strains of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium are very important to have in for their effectiveness. So a multi-strain meaning just more than one strain. Um, Which that kind of makes sense to me when you break it down. Because yeah. like we were talking about how everyone's starting off, even if they all have IBS, they're still starting off with a, such a different complex 
system in their yeah. body. Mm-hmm. So if you just had one, it might not cover all the bases for everybody. But if you had a couple in there, that makes more sense to yeah. me that it might just check off. And it's hard boxes. to get that specific. And again, a lot of the research, even though it's well done. So this is done in humans, but then looking at and understanding probiotics, a lot of that initially has to be done in a Petri dish or in animals just to understand their effect in the first place. And then, okay, now we have a special population that we could target to see if they are also if this is the effect that they exert in human beings. It's also been found that in combination with a low FODMAP diet, which is a specific diet that a lot of people with IBS will follow under the guidance of a registered dietitian. I don't recommend doing it Mm. otherwise because it's not, you are not going to be, you're not going to have the effects that you are looking for. But a systematic review with network meta-analyses looked at this combination of low FODMAP and probiotics and It suggested that the probiotic lactobacillus is effective for the relief of irritable bowel syndrome symptoms, and this also suggests bifidobacterium as well. So this was in combination with the low FODMAP diet. So that's kind of tough because we don't know if in this specific study they saw effects in people who were – they didn't test that, who were only taking a probiotic. They just compared it to the combination of diet and probiotic to neither. So – it's still promising. And you also see that repetitive bifidobacterium and lactobacillus that you saw in the study that I just spoke about. Mm -hmm. So there is some research, not a ton, but there is potential there. So that's where it, and it also can't, it can't hurt. So there's not, they are safe to use. Again, always consult with your doctor before you take a probiotic ever, but looking specifically at abdominal pain and bloating, that's in patients with irritable bowel syndrome, that's where you see the most promise of relief. Mm. Um, And certain strains help promote the movement of, help promote bowel movements, make you a little bit more regular. And that's the most likely mechanism as to why you'd see relief in bloating and pain if you're having more frequent bowel movements. But yeah. Okay. So it seems like, and this is what I kind of gathered when I was looking through research, is there's not a lot of absolutes when it comes to research. So there there is some... Mm promise in a lot of different aspects and areas, but kind of like with just the issue that you run into that we brought up before we even started this episode with everyone being so different, there's not a lot of absolutes, right? There's a lot of mixed data, but there's still a lot of promise that like you said, in the next five, 10 years, we might know a lot more, Yes, but it's Mm -hmm. just so generalized right now. It's really hard to tell. So there's some promise there. And that's where I was going to say for like recommendations of people thinking to do a probiotic, I know you're on the stance and I think we're on the same here. It can't hurt to do something, yeah. but mm-hmm. would you say, would your approach almost be to kind of use yourself and do a test on yourself? Cause you don't know where you're going to land. You don't know what your gut health is like. And from what we've looked into getting a gut health test done that you might pay for online is not going to be a really accurate picture. It's not really worth the money. Yeah. Correct. At least from yeah. what you kind of broke down for me. So it's almost like maybe try some things out with yourself and see if you notice mm-hmm improvements and be in t- like intentional with it. Don't just buy a random probiotic. Look at the strains of probiotic. Look at how much, look at how consistently you're using it to see if it doesn't just don't go buy the random next probiotic at the grocery store. The one that probably is on the not so good side of the study that we covered above with the quality, but yeah, be intentional and about it. Right. When it comes to an absolutely before you do that, if you're thinking about resources where you want to allocate them and you're not eating fruits and veggies and whole grains, more plant foods in your diet, which again, have those prebiotics that feed the good gut bacteria, Mm -hmm. allow them to grow and thrive. That is where you should dedicate your energy, your resources 
to first, um, see if you see any sort of improvement. And then you can look into adding a probiotic if you feel like you're interested in it and you think you might benefit from it. Again, this is the type of thing where there's no guarantee that it's going to have any effect. But as someone who has struggled personally with IBS for years and it has really been debilitating in my life, you know, there's something that could potentially help there and it has no harm to me. I'm going to try it. I want to try it. And I've tried many things that haven't worked, but this is one of the few that it, it could have that small extra benefits to you. Yeah. And I know when you're, and here's the thing that annoys me too, which I think we're going to do today a little bit more. People are always like, just make sure you be careful when buying a supplement. And it's like, what the, does that even mean? What does that mean? What does that even mean? I was going to say, I know Mariana's worked closely with a really high quality, I think Seed and Legion are just both really high quality companies that get third party tested. I know Mariana, you, you have a coupon code that you don't even, it's not commission made, right? Yeah, like so no it's one's not making money off of this code, but I have worked with them in the past and they allowed me to keep my code active and it's 15% off your first order of seed. And I think they have a very similar price to Legion and mm-hmm. really in any, so what they features of a probiotic that I would say you want to make sure you hit is probi- probiotics that are third-party tested, making sure that they have they educate you on their website about how their probiotics are encapsulated mm-hmm. and if that effectively surpasses the stomach acid and will reach your ileum. That's really, really important. And of the few companies that do that, you will see, you will absolutely see that mentioned on their website. Are they evidence-based? Do they have some sort of nutrition board, researchers, scientists that are- They let you know. Yeah. Are they including the references for the strains that they- have included? Do they have information on the strains they included and why? Those are some things that you can mark off. So it's definitely something, and those are a little bit pricier. That is absolutely, mm-hmm. the, the quality there will will match, but then you can even find some probiotics that are like hundreds of dollars that <laughs> are not even- That don't do that. Tested. So yeah, Seed Legion are great. And I think there's, I typically will recommend now, but their probiotics aren't the best just because of their encapsulation. Mm. And they also, I believe they were used proprietary blends. So I would avoid anything with another reddish flag. Yeah. So that's why you'll see the studies that Tony was talking about. And when they did the investigations of all these probiotics and saw that some of them didn't even contain the probi, the strains that they said they did. Mm -hmm. That's the benefit of using a proprietary (laughs) blend is you don't have, you can list the amount of the blend, but you don't have to the, list the amount of each specific strain in that blend. Yeah. So, like what we've talked about is usually how people get away with underdosing yeah. the expensive or the higher quality ingredients just to put it on the label. Yeah. So, definitely something so. to look at, which I think, yeah, Seed and Legion, which we'll put both the websites and codes. Again, we don't get any commission. No one gets mm-hmm. commission from Seed. We don't even get commission from Legion. They're just a sponsor of the show. So, we'll put yeah. those discounts down below, which I think is important too, which I'm like, should we even just jump into? I think that relationship with prebiotics to probiotics yeah. before talking about <laughs> digestive enzymes yeah. and more, which prebiotics, this, I think, I would say it's almost been a year. You actually opened me up to it and it's kind of been my obsession once I found out oh, more yeah. about prebiotic foods. And yeah. like we talked about fiber. before. Fiber is just, a pre- prebiotic. Yeah, it's pretty much way. talking about <laughs> fiber, right? So prebiotics are the nutrients found in food that increase the amount of bacteria in your gut, right? They actually increase it. I think a good way, we used this analogy last time, Think of prebiotics. If you have like a lawn in your front yard, probiotics would be like actually taking a patch of grass and putting it onto the lawn. 
like actually trying to plant a new patch of grass where a prebiotic is like fertilizing the whole yes. grass. So there are two different mm -hmm. things there. Prebiotic mm -hmm. foods fertilize the grass, make it grow bigger, stronger, better. Probiotics are actually putting in little patches there. And yeah. prebiotics through fiber, I had zero, I didn't pay attention to this before, but truly how many health benefits they're closely tied to. I mean, there's oh my gosh, fiber is one of the most well researched, like nutritional components that is out there. Yeah, it's not. There's a reason why so many people say eat your fruits and veggies. Like it's not just something. This fiber is so well studied, and it's also something that Americans consistently fall short of over so short. and over again. And across the board. So many benefits have been shown that Tony will talk about yeah. right now. Well, and there's a big difference too, just like probiotics, there's prebiotic supplements, which are usually fiber supplements, mm. right? There's prebiotic supplements and there's prebiotics that are found in food. And that's again, where it's, it blew my mind, the bountiful amount of research that is just supporting this and how many different areas And the, the research is from health. food. The research right, is and from that, I was going to say, this is the big distinction here because there's been very closely correlated data looking at pre, like having a high rich diet in prebiotics can improve type two diabetic symptoms, immune system in just all healthy adults, right? Mm -hmm. Your digestion and bowel movements, reduce the risk of obesity, reduce hypertension, regulate your blood sugar and insulin resistance, stimulate production of hormones that aid in appetite suppression that we've talked about a lot on the show, even decreasing your allergy risk, even looking at its impact on Alzheimer's now, and even mm -hmm. just improving overall mood. These are all there, but that's the big asterisk is all of this research is done in diets rich in prebiotic fiber foods, yeah. not any. And I was scounding the PubMed, the everything. I could not find any data on specific prebiotic supplements, which are usually like in a fiber form, or I think even now you could almost consider like an Olipop drink as more of a supplement, even though it's got a nice blend. I think it has like what, seven to nine prebiotic it sources has, in there. I'm drinking it right now. It has nine grams of fiber and they do have that's a insane. good, so they have inulin is a type of prebiotic and that's what they have. Cassava root fiber, chicory, chicory root inulin and artichoke inulin. So they have a variety. They I, was, have I think they have like good cactus, seven to nine variety. Marshmallow. Yeah. So they have a good variety of different types of fiber. This is not sponsored by them by the yeah, way. We just love Olipop because she actually got me onto it. I drink one every single day, just more because mm -hmm. that, and I started taking Biome from Legion and I was telling her just it, both of those can, I don't know if it was the combination or which one ever. I'm as regular as the grocery clerk in your hometown that's worked <laughs> there for the last 30 years. I see this dude, Chris, yeah. every time I go to Denver, he's there. Shout out to Chris at King Supers on Kipling. But these like supplements, these things like that. And I think Olipop does a better job too, because there's Things you got away with taking a supplement where I know like psyllium husk, I think is, has been the most common supplement that I've seen. Mm, and it's just yeah. a powder of like 10 to 15 to 20 grams of psyllium husk. And there's a big difference in how these are fermented in your actual gut, right? Like these usually come along with in your diet, a diversity of complex carbohydrates. And you're going to find a much larger diversity at, let's say like a salad bar from mm -hmm. different types of prebiotics, different type of complex carbohydrates, all of these than you would if you just isolate and take psyllium husk, for example, a powder. Not saying yes. it's good or bad, but there's also a thing here too, where you have to remember, if you're taking it in through food, these are so complex and have such a high diversity that it slows down the fermentation of prebiotics where supplements can all hit at once. And I know that can even bring yeah. some negative consequences 
because they all hit your gut isolated. They're not slowed down. They're not a diversity. Like at least Olipop has, I think, seven to nine different sources. We're just taking an yeah. isolated supplement. That's where you might run. I'm not saying that this is bad for certain, but it's not the same thing as eating food. And I know we say that and we beat well, it to the ground. Yeah. The biggest thing with it not being the same thing as food, and this is not something that will, isn't, this isn't well studied because it kind of can't be, it's really hard, it would be really hard to do, but what you're getting with these fiber rich diets, diets high in plant yeah. foods, fruits, veggies, whole grains, is you're getting the beneficial vitamins, minerals, antioxidants from this diet as well. Also people who tend to eat a more plant-focused, high-fiber diet have better weight regulation, right? So there are so many benefits mm -hmm. from a diet high in fiber. You're getting all of the other health benefits from high-fiber foods. You're meeting your nutrient intake. That That is huge. And you can't get that from a fiber supplement. That mm -hmm. is the biggest point that I try to communicate with people is that Yes. Okay. Well, what if I could just take the fiber supplement? Then I don't have to eat my fruits and veggies. That's great. No, that's not great because you're not getting the added benefits from eating a diet that is high in fiber. There's so many other benefits that come along and other nutrients that you get that you simply just wouldn't get from yeah. having this psyllium husk powder, even an Olipop. An Olipop is not even close to mm -hmm. a replacement to any high fiber food in your diet that I can't even yeah. push it enough and not Americans are not even close to hitting no. their daily 25 to 30 grams of fiber a day. Yeah. I was even going to say when it comes to, because I think prebiotic supplements in particular are probably less, much less valuable than like a probiotic could be because those oh. are more specific, yeah. more individualized. I would say in a prebiotic supplement fashion, I would almost not even say recommend because like why I add Olipop, for example, is because I feel best when I'm taking in around 45 to 50 grams of fiber per day. Mm -hmm. I'm a larger human being. Okay. I'm a bigger mm -hmm. person. So that's not how much everyone should need, but 45 to 50 grams is where I feel best. And I know we did a research review on the premium side. I think when we first started that almost on where to find your perfect balance, but it's going to be different for everybody where eating 50 grams of fiber every single day for me is tough, which I can get yeah. around 35 to 40, but I just add the Olipop in as like a little cherry on top. Mm -hmm. And I notice it helps a little bit, but I'm not here scooping yeah. in this, that, and the other. I'm still, I, I have two cups of berries a day, apples, chia seeds, yeah. all these different things. You can't just replace those. And same thing goes mm -hmm. with like the greens powder argument, not the one that we're having today, but the whole like, oh, well, you're having all the vitamins and minerals that come in these fruits and vegetables. So you don't need to eat those. It's like, that's not all a fruit or vegetable is valuable for is the yeah. isolated vitamin or mineral. Same thing with prebiotic supplements. Prebiotics aren't just beneficial because of that one isolated piece of fiber. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it, it's one of the big things. So I think that is a good compare and contrast in pro versus pre mm -hmm. is they're both massively important. I think pre is probably more important through like a dietary aspect, but from yeah. a supplement form, probiotic is worth looking into prebiotic. I eat your food, eat your yeah. food. Yeah. That, it's like, I mean, I didn't even know when I first got Olipop, I just heard it tastes really good. And it I does. love a fun beverage. And I also like, I'm a Diet Coke girly. So I was like, oh my goodness, I got to try this. And I 
absolutely loved it. And then I was like, oh, wow, nine grams of fiber? That's for me. I have IBS and the kind that is – so I'm like, oh, well, I actually have to watch myself when I have this because I don't want to eat too much fiber. But I was like, that's an added bonus. Oh, I love this. I'm yeah. going to buy – I like to buy a fun beverage. That's great. And so it's like – it is just – there's no – but then you get the people who are like, oh, well, this Olipop is going to cure – is going to reverse my insulin resistance. It's like, what are you even talking about? Like no. people will go that far as to say like – Take this data that is studying fiber in fruits and vegetables, and then all of a sudden, because the Olipop has fibers, that means yeah. it's going to cure your diseases. Yeah. That was a big one when Olipop came out. Is when, they, when it first went viral on social media, people were making all the claims that prebiotic yeah. fiber diets have. And that's what a lot of people do in supplement claims, right? Is they'll take an isolated form from a diet or from something else, and they'll take that piece out. And kind of transfer the, uh, and that's what happens here. So that's pre and probiotics when it comes to gut health. Now I'm curious too. Now she was teaching me a lot last week about digestive enzymes, which we actually were doing a Q and A on our premium for the premium members. We do a once a month Q and A, and someone had a really good question about digestive enzymes. So shout out to Felicia. Felicia asked a really good question about digestive enzymes, which is actually what spurred this entire episode. Yeah, go Felicia. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk about this because you were teaching me a lot about this, where I'm even less familiar, and I'm certain that listeners are probably too yeah. of what they yeah. are, how they can help and what do they do in a supplement form? Yeah. Okay. So digestive enzymes play a key role in breaking down the food you eat into sm smaller molecules that we can absorb in the small intestine and then enter the bloodstream, right? So we need these digestive enzymes so that we can break down food into absorbable form that can be used by the body. So this is a critical process in digestion. And these enzymes, there's a lot of them. They're produced by the glands in your mouth, stomach, gallbladder, small intestine. and But the majority come from the pancreas. Mm -hmm. The three that I'm going to explain here, these are the most abundant, most common, but again, there's a bunch, are amylase, which breaks down carbohydrates. It's found in saliva as well as pancreatic and stomach juices. Lipase breaks down fats. It's found in the stomach and pancreas. And protease breaks down proteins found in the stomach, pancreas, and intestines. So these are so important for digestion of food and your major macronutrients. I was going to say, so these essentially break it down into what we can use yes. in the body. Like mm -hmm. we wouldn't be able to use any of this if it weren't for these little guys. Yep, exactly. Okay. Just keep that in your back pocket for when we're talking about supplementing with them. But impaired breakdown of food components can lead to common issues such as bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation. That's why there's this huge speculation and talk about how supplements and their exogenous digestive enzyme form may help alleviate these symptoms, right? So mm -hmm. this is another case where this mechanism, what goes on in your body, it is very sound to assume that, what, if I have these symptoms that are sometimes caused by impaired breakdown of food, maybe adding more of these enzymes is going to fix that. Yeah. But, You're going to tell me it's not true, is it? <laughs> yeah. So for the most part, that's a really not the case. But I'm going to talk about where that is the case, which is okay. for a very small portion of people. There are prescription. This, so this is not a supplement, right? But I still wanted to throw this in here. Mm -hmm. Prescription 
digestive enzyme medications, right? So again, not a supplement. These are regulated by the FDA. And they are the established standard of care for individuals with certain chronic health conditions. This can include inflammatory bowel disease, chronic pancreatitis, cystic fibrosis, and pancreatic cancer. And these medications contain a mixture of certain enzymes, including the three that I just mm -hmm. mentioned, and they are in a special coating so they can survive the stomach acid and enter the small intestine. So people with these conditions are commonly prescribed these enzyme pills by doctors to substitute for their lack of natural enzyme production. So it, with these diseases, it impairs your production of these enzymes. Okay. So absolutely, that is where they are effective. But again, with these chronic diseases. So if you do not have one of those, this is where this might be. Maybe you can turn on your ears a little bit more. But over-the-counter supplements, just like any other supplement, you can't be entirely sure of their ingredients. I just want to say that first. That's very different from a prescription. And research shows that digestive enzymes may only help a very small subset of people. And this is over-the-counter supplements. Again, we talked about the small subset for prescription, yeah. but for over-the-counter. And this subset of people, for example, and this is a very, I think that, I don't really think there's any others that have been studied mm -hmm. other than those with lactose intolerance. So ah. lactose intolerance, and you might be familiar with this, you do not generate enough of the enzyme lactase. So I didn't talk about lactase when I was talking about those three, but lactase is an enzyme that you need in order to digest lactose. Mm -hmm. So people who are lactose intolerant don't produce sufficient amounts of lactase. So that is where our friend lactate came in. That is what lactate is. It is exogenous lactase. So that can help you manage your symptoms. It doesn't cure you mm -hmm. of lactose intolerance, but if you're having a hefty dairy meal, that's why people will take lactate. Ah, okay. Other than that, there is absolutely no reason to be taking digestive enzymes. They are not going to help with any Okay. bloating because you are already su producing sufficient amounts on your own. If you oh, really? Diseases. So it's, it goes as far as that. So it, <laughs> essentially outside of lactase, if you're lactose intolerant, supplementing digestive enzymes, you're not going to see the, a, a benefit. Yeah, because the majority of these over-the-counter digestive enzyme supplements are a mixture of the amylase, lipase, yeah. and protease. So that is the assumption, right? What the supplement is assuming is that you are not sufficiently producing them. You need an exogenous form in order to digest your food. So okay. that, but what that would mean if that was actually the case is that you would fall under the one of the one. categories yeah. of people who actually need the prescription form, which has okay. been research studied is actually known to be effective, is safe for use and is effective for these people. Now, can I ask you a question? I'm curious. Mm -hmm. So does that even, because I'm assuming these live in your gut and they're there. So would that even mean, what if they're just not enough? Well, different there? areas. You have different. Okay. But for a, what if you have a larger meal compared to a smaller meal? Is it possible that if you eat too much, you wouldn't have enough? So that would help or no? Because I think that's what a no. lot of people might do is they take them with like larger meals thinking no. it would help. Yeah. Is that not the case either? Yeah. If you are producing, if you don't have a disease your gut's that back. alters the production of your enzyme digestive enzymes, then there, you are not going to have an issue with producing enzymes to break oh, down. Okay. So it goes to that extent. Like, no, that's the why a lot of people you take start them. salivating, you have the enzymes 
Oh, you know, I didn't even think about that because that's the first. That's the first. That's sign. it's mechanical digestion starts in your mouth, but also chemical digestion starts in your mouth, and that is with amylase, which helps break down carbohydrates. So if you genuinely did not were not producing these enzymes in sufficient amounts, that would be a very big problem. And adding more, so that is the thing. This is the type of supplement where adding more of it is not going to in the function. It's not going to do anything additionally. It's a placebo effect that could make you think that it's yeah. curing your bloating. Okay. Uh, what's the one that pineapple has? Is it protease? Pineapple contains the digestive enzyme bromelain. Bromelain. Okay. Cause I was like, that, I know that's always one that was fun. Is you realize mm -hmm. that like that little tingle in your mouth that some people get from yeah. pineapple. You're like, oh my, the first time I had pineapple in Mexico, I legit thought I was like having an allergic reaction. I was like, hey, we might need to make an EpiPen. I don't even know mm -hmm. what that is. But I'm yeah. like, I might need one. And my girlfriend's like, it's it's pineapple. It does that to everybody. Yeah. It's because of that bromelain. It breaks yeah. down proteins, right? And that's what it's doing in your mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like despite the anecdotal accounts of temporary pain relief from their use, like the current research doesn't support the use of supplemental enzymes to treat any functional GI diseases like IBS or bloating or gas. There just simply is not enough research out there to support that maybe one day. But again, these prescription enzymes do exist and they are effective. Yeah. If that tells you anything, no, they are effective when you do not produce these enzymes on your own. That's yeah. when they're effective. So um, shocker, it seems like, again, like any supplement here, it's like it helps if you're not sufficient <laughs> on your own, like pretty yeah. much every single cell. It's not, no supplements are one size fits all, especially yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. And there are food sources, but again, of certain digestive enzymes. So there aren't only those three that I was talking about, but those are the three where you would really see the GI effects. If you are not producing yeah. the enzymes that digest your macronutrients, you are going to have significant, significant discomfort. You would, Yeah, you would know it. Yeah. But like pineapple, papaya, mango, honey, bananas, some fermented foods mm. contain certain digestive enzymes. But again, it's not a ton. Yeah. It's really not a lot that would have much of in effect. Now we can move on here and talk about probably the most trending I would say now, but we also talked about this last week. So we're not going to spend a ton of time on it, which is yeah. right. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna spend a ton of time on it because we did. And if you really want to dive a, a little bit deeper of a dive, we did that on the round Robin last week mm -hmm. with L-glutamine, yeah. but L-glutamine is probably the most trending gut health supplement I see right now. Correct. Would you agree? Yes. Side eye. Yeah, I don't, I, eye. I can't. Boombastic. It's, it's, we couldn't Side not in, include it because it is. And uh, I have, sometimes I, I'll get like clips of specific people that I always get tagged in. Like they'll just pop up in my brain when I'm doing something throughout the day. I can't escape it. Like these people just push and push and push. And it's crazy to me. But they'll go super, let, they'll super <laughs> jump into it, which essentially, and we've broken this down multiple times. Because this is another thing that L-glutamine, right? It's in your gut. That's where it's found in large concentrations. And it can be, hell, I'm guessing this is the same thing like every supplement. I'm noticing a very similar theme. If for some reason you have lowered levels of L-glutamine in your gut already, an mm -hmm. L-glutamine supplement would be very helpful. Absolutely. Very, very helpful. But those circumstances in which you would actually have a lower than normal level of L-glutamine are very rare, like with <laughs> disease, injury, surgery those yeah. big life events that could lower. It's not just like, you don't just have lowered L-glutamine in your gut because you had a stressful day at work today. 
<laughs> yeah. Or you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not what everyone thinks that it's like, oh, well, I'm bloating. It's because I'm it bloat. It's not because you have L, low L glutamine most of the time. Yeah, it is. And it is because it's conditionally essential. So that's what that means. Mm-hmm. It's required during a traumatic condition, like Tony was mentioning, illness, injury, surgery. And what people confuse about L-glutamine, I don't even know if they can, people confuse it as well as they will take the, it's the effects that it has in the body. This is the function of L-glutamine, right? Mm-hmm. This is what it does yes. in the body. And then say that taking it exogenously, more of it will enhance those effects, make make it better at doing the job it already does. Yes. So it's 100% not true, but it plays an important role in intestinal cell growth, repair, maintenance. It supports your gut microbiome, the gut wall integrity, and mediates the inflammatory response. L-glutamine is so important for gut, overall gut health. So it makes complete sense why this is a popular now gut health supplement because you can take that function and say that, well, this is what it does. So if I'm taking more of it, it's going to improve that. Where that's not the case unless if you are in a position where you don't have sufficient amounts already produced in your body. You can also get it from eating a high protein diet. There's not much, too much research out there. There is some research done that shows it may help imp- improve those with IBS, but alongside a low FODMAP diet, kind of like what I was talking mm-hmm. about with the probiotics. So you can't really say that that's L-glutamine alone. Isn't a lot of the research too on specific instances of these more traumatic events? Like oh, yeah. There's just not a lot of research on normal, healthy adults because there's nothing really to look at, right? Yeah. So it, it's the same thing when you're... You, we produce this in our body. You also get it from eating proteins in your diet. There's no basis for researchers to go out and be like, oh, we need to test this in healthy people because healthy people have enough of it. And so it's doing its job. Yeah. You do have certain conditions like leaky gut, which this might be controversial, but that is an app. Absolutely. It is a real thing. It's more so in the functional medicine world, but a lot of GI doctors today who work more so traditionally, we'll still recognize it, but it's kind of one of those diseases. It's a functional GI disease Mm. that isn't completely understood, but it does affect the integrity of your gut lining of the lining of your intestines, which can make it so that nutrients can flow in and out. You can kind of, you don't absorb your nutrients properly. You may lose some L-glutamine because you have the gut wall integrity is compromised. So that is a condition where L-glutamine may, pen, may potentially be beneficial. It's not known. It's not studied. Mm-hmm. But you can't, I can't say for sure. Um, but if you've ever seen a doctor or maybe a functional medicine doctor, which again, that's a whole conversation for another day, like any doctor, there's going to be mad ones wherever you go. Yep. But L-glutamine can may, potentially have an effect for those people just on the basis of its role, right? That's me doing exactly what I'm talking about on the basis of its role. That's why some professionals, especially in the functional medicine world, will say this this can be helpful for these individuals. But you don't know. There, there's yeah. really a base. A lot for, of professionals do that. Is they'll yeah. be very they'll understand the role. Same thing. We talk about this countless times with mm-hmm. L carnitine. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Same thing. Plays a really important role, but just taking more of it if you already have enough doesn't do yeah. anything. Doesn't magically mm-hmm. cure it. But that, that is curious because a lot of professionals who are educated about that will still make that mistake. Yeah. And yeah. take and the I, role I think, and cross it over. 
with leaky gut, it's one of those, that's a hard topic to talk about because a lot of people will say that it's not a thing, but it's just that leaky gut IBS that could be in some cases, one of those illnesses, traumatic conditions that may compromise your L-glutamine levels. So that's kind of where you'll see that. All right. Like that makes sense, but also we need the research to show it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always big. Let's do this. We got two big ones to finish up with Mm -hmm. after this. We got greens powders and we got peppermint oil, which surprised me. We were breaking this down for me last week a little bit. Do we want to start with green? You think greens will fly through real quick? And gets, yeah, I'm excited to talk about, about peppermint because I don't think a lot of people know about peppermint oil. They don't really understand or have you, I've never even heard of it for gut health. Yeah. People don't really talk about it a lot. So mm-hmm. let's touch on greens powders because I think – so probiotic, prebiotic, those are trigger words. L-glutamine's trending but green powders for gut health now, which it didn't used to be this. It used to be it, – it's funny because greens powders, they keep changing their marketing scheme. Yeah. Right. At first it was, oh, it can replace your fruits and vegetables. And then people are like, no, that's BS. Like, oh, well now it fixes your gut health. (laughs) They keep changing their marketing. So this, I think is another hot one right now that a lot of people take, especially (coughs) bloom green powder. Oh my God. And which bloom is targeted for bloating. I want to specifically say we're not just doing a review. Sorry. It's, I hate this because it's, I love the name bloom. I named my company bloom. I know. I think it's so and funny. then I get a freaking associated with one of the crummiest, lowest standard, lowest quality supplement brands on planet freaking but earth. Honestly, a multi million dollar company. Yeah. Well, you know what? That just fired me up. Expect a cease and desist bloom supplements coming in hot. <laughs> Had to get that. Here's out there. the thing, right? With these greens powders, especially those specifically targeted for bloating or have claims for bl- claims made against whatever, helping cure your bloating, whatever it may be. The nutrients in a lot of these powders don't match greens, veggies in their whole form per serving. They are not the same as a, we were just talking about this, as their whole food counterpart. And greens powders also are stripped of their fiber, right? So even if you have them added back in with, say, a psyllium husk, which I think that might be done, um, I'm not sure, It is still not the same. Our body does not recognize it the same way. You don't, absorption is, nutrient absorption is different. And the, one of the best things you could do for your gut health across the board, well-researched, well-studied is eat more fruits and vegetables because of the fiber across the board. That's one of the best things you could do, Mm -hmm. not drinking them. Okay. (laughs) Which is blows my mind because as a whole, Americans do not get enough fruits and veggies as it is. And now we're pushing a drink that is marketed towards those who can financially, one, afford it, not towards the people. It's marketed towards healthy individuals who are probably already eating fruits and veggies. You see a wellness influencer drinking their greens and then they go and have their salad and then they go and have their salmon with broccoli. What do you mean? Like, what's, what are you talking about? What are you doing? But Because greens are a concentrated form of vegetables, it's easy to want to connect them to the benefits of a diet rich in veggies, such as Tony was talking about, lower risk of heart disease, Mm -hmm. lower risk of diabetes. But the research on actual food can't be extrapolated to powders. And that is what they do. There's not research on the powders. There is research on foods. And that is exactly what these greens powders do. They extrapolate the data from a diet rich in fruits and veggies and apply it to their product. They usually have an aesthetic marketing campaign associating their products with being in good health. All of the influencers promoting these products makes them desirable. That is 
why they are so popular. They're not popular for improving gut health. Research shows that a diet full of whole nutritious foods, high in fiber and naturally occurring vitamins and minerals is the healthiest choice. If you could say something is the healthiest choice, I don't typically like to say that. That's one of the healthiest things you can do for your body. Um, Bloom, Athletic Greens, they have less than three grams of fiber per serving. I was like, I just looked up Bloom's nutrition label. It has 1.6 grams of fiber. They're fine. And it's all, it's even, it's not even just that. It's a proprietary blend. Oh, that's, oh, that's so what I'm getting into. So they only have 1.6 grams of freaking, that kills me. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. And so the majority of greens powders contain proprietary blends or collections of ingredients, which are unique to the company. So the mm. amount of each ingredient in a proprietary blend, it, it's not required to be listed, just the total blend as a whole. So they're essentially a secret. It can be a company secret, but this allows you to put in cheaper, more of the cheaper ingredients. It allows you to put in filler. You can use these blends and cover it up. You don't actually know how much of each ingredient is in this blend. Let's use athletic greens as an example. I might get a lot of hate for this, whatever. I don't care. But they have ingredients listed under three different proprietary blends. Three. That does not tell you how much of each ingredient is used. And many companies will associate health benefits with specific ingredients. Right on Athletic Greens' website, AG1 contains powerful plant extracts, adaptogenic herbs, and antioxidants to help your metabolism, energy, and ability to adapt to stress. That's not a specific gut health example, but they also do this with their gut health claims. So from that, how can you know if you're getting the amount used in clinical studies that has shown potential benefits? Or did the company include an insignificant amount, like enough to include it on the label, but not enough to give it any benefit? You don't know. You have no idea. Yep. So just like with everything, the dosage matters. So while certain plant extracts and antioxidants can have been shown to help your metabolism or energy from foods, how much are they effective? There's a certain amount that is required for them to be effective. We don't know. You you don't know. Just with this fiber, how much are you putting in it? I think it's odd that the greens powders are now targeted for gut health because it doesn't re- f- f- I understand the fiber thing. Like if you're having a fiber drink, like uh, I understand what people say like, oh my God, I'm yeah. going to the bathroom so much. I'm not bloated anymore. I don't really understand the whole thing with the greens powders. I'm telling you, it's just greens fiber? powders. Like we've talked about, they're not worth it. Like the typical, the typical greens powder, which is just Again, they're, when they first started, and you can go, Mike Matthews opened us up to this. Remember, you can look up the history of Athletic Greens' website, and it had nothing to mention gut health when they first yeah. came out. They didn't change anything. They marketed it as a fruit and vegetable replacement. And as mm-hmm. soon as people call, started saying, hey, that's bull crap, they changed their marketing. And that's all they keep doing is changing the stuff up. And the clinical dose is so important. And that's why like when we did the pre-workout episode, ingredients yeah. are only – like the danger and the poison is always in the dose. Yeah. In the pre-workout episode, there are pre-workout ingredients like beta alanine, for example, that have a clinical effective dose to improve your endurance, to improve your strength, to improve your recovery, but they only do that when you actually get enough. Like for beta alanine, it's 3.6 grams is what we talked about. So like Legion's Pulse has 3.6 grams, maybe upwards of 3.8 of beta alanine. A pre-workout like Alani New has 1.6. So not even half the amount that it would require to actually do anything. But since they have that ingredient in their product, they can promote it as improving endurance, improving strength, improving this. So same thing like with the 1.6 grams of fiber or these proprietary blends. 
that these companies use, it's like, they'll just do it to put it there. But I can nearly promise you that they are not at the clinically effective dose. I can, yeah. that was, I mean, Mike Matthews talked about the proprietary blend thing alone. It's like, it used to be a thing when the supplement industry was still blossoming as a like, oh, it's like, we can't give away our trade secrets because our product is a scientifically got the best combination and concoction to give you these results. Now that research is like highly available to so many people, people can read and be like, oh, well, it's only effective if you have this dose. So at least a lot of the supplement companies moving away from proprietary blends because they realize it's a red flag. So big red flag. If you're buying something with a proprietary blend, don't Mm -hmm. buy it. But why athletic greens and stuff like this? It's like, they don't even, how many ingredients are even in that one of those three proprietary blends? Like 20 to 30, maybe? So many. Yeah. And you don't know how much of each. You do not know how much of each. You just have to weigh the final powder. Yeah. That's it. You just have to weigh the final blend and you could do whatever the fuck you want to do to get it to that weight. That's it. That's what, and I'm like, I'm with you, AG1 hater. If you're spending so much money on a supplement, like they're making so much money from this so cheap to produce supplement. Yeah. Why can't they just list their ingredients? Yeah. Just list them. And how much is yeah. actually in there? If you, because I guarantee you, they're still making massive profit margins, mm-hmm. even if they included a good dose of things. But why not? Like because their marketing it would, is incredible. It would only build credibility. But I'm like, that's mm-hmm. just a big red flag that usually a company's hiding something. That's the only reason. Yeah, and why it Bloom. still makes Bloom sense. Bloom is today. all proprietary blends. Yeah. If you with Bloom supplements, if you had an influencer campaign, and none of these people were influencers, let's just call it a campaign. Just regular people of all walks of life, all different body sizes, all different looks, right? Would it be as marketable if it wasn't a thin, young, blonde who has millions of followers that everyone wants to be, but isn't? No, it absolutely would not be. It's the same reason why people are obsessed with knowing what Miranda Kerr eats in a day, who was a Victoria's Secret model. I was like, who did? It's the same reason why people were obsessed with Mindy Keeling and Adele's weight loss And they wanted to know what they were eating, but they didn't care when they were overweight. It is all Mm -hmm. marketing. There is nothing beneficial to a greens powder. Absolutely nothing. Unless if you were malnourished, undernourished, you had no access to food in general. And this is all you had access to. And and it's like, look at, because I'm also not, I'm only familiar with the big ones that we talk about, AG1 Bloom. But it's like, if you're getting a specific dose of an ingredient that you know you need, or mm-hmm. that's filling a gap, that would then be beneficial. But that's what just Absolutely. most greens powders just don't do that. Mm-hmm. They yeah. market, it's just a marketing scheme where most just don't do it. Where if you actually were like, oh, well, this has these ingredients that I need in these dosages, boom, perfect. It filled. But I just don't, I'm not yeah. really familiar with many that do that. Yeah. And like at the probiotic blends in a greens powder, you have no idea what strains are in Those there. are the so biggest, yeah. Like just come, like I rule. How much of them are in there? Yeah. Are they even alive when they're in? this powder who knows it's maybe that sounds a bit extreme but there's going to be a new greens powder right now it was athletic greens right now it's bloom still there's Mm going to be a new one and it's gonna be the same shit (laughs) i mean and we're over it if you can't tell we're over it (laughs) if you can't tell okay so let's tie a bow that was that heat that one always heats us up i get a little more into it than i always plan on doing it but Talk to me about, okay, I have a question about peppermint oil. Is this just mm-hmm. peppermint essential oil or what is this? It's peppermint oil capsules. So concentrated oh, okay. forms of oil. Is it the essential oil that they put in the capsules? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. okay. And then there's also there has been some research on the essential oil, like peppermint oil or menthol. I'm not sure if you're familiar with menthol. Yeah. It's found. So I smoke um, a pack a day. So yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> that has been in mixtures. So it's a little bit of both. But some of the most extensive research in the benefits of peppermint oil has focused on IBS, so mm-hmm. irritable bowel syndrome. And you could get peppermint oil capsules. It's a supplement. They're actually super cheap. Do they give um, you peppermint burps? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I, say, I feel like they would almost replace like a mint. <laughs> yeah. But the main medicinal role of peppermint is due to its muscle relaxing properties in the stomach mm. and intestinal tract. And the internal usage of peppermint appears to be able to speed up the early phases of digestion in the stomach while reducing colonic motility. So again, I say appears to be, I don't want you guys to skim past my word choice. From that position, from that mechanism, there is still more research needed for this to be conclusive. Mm. A lot of the really profound research, like there was a 2019 review, so pretty recent, but very promising and I just, I think it's fascinating. It's not one that people really talk about. Nothing is a cure-all ever, just leading with that. But a 2019 review of 12 trials examined the efficiency of peppermint oil capsules in treating IBS when compared with a placebo. And researchers found that the treatment with peppermint oil improved abdominal pain and other IBS symptoms that, so more specifically, it was the abdominal pain and bloating that have been the most profound changes you won't really see a change in kind of your bowel movements or other. There's a bunch of different symptoms that could be related to IBS, but those were the most profound. Okay. And it's still, it's not conclusive, the mechanisms behind this. But like I said, the potential most promising effects and mechanisms that have been studied are the relaxing the smooth muscle of the GI tract. And then it's also been speculated that it can affect the types of bacteria that naturally live in the GI tract. That one I'm not so sure about. But I have seen that repeatedly discussed in a lot of these reviews, so I felt like I wanted to mention it. And then also decreasing pain sensation in the GI tract was one I also saw repeated over and over again. That was kind of confusing to me, but neither of those two have been studied much. But when I say a potential mechanism, that Mm -hmm. means that that's not conclusive. It's just a plausible explanation for why this is effective. That's Um, interesting. Well, because it relaxes. That's why people the essential oil when you breathe it in helps yeah right? is it yeah. really relaxes the airways relaxes all muscles that's actually interesting because i never thought about it relaxing anything else mm-hmm. yeah so peppermint oil or menthol which is one of the main chemical components has also been used in combination with caraway which is caraway seeds i think it's extracted extracted from caraway seeds so like an herb to okay. ease symptoms of functional dyspnea. So that's a condition characterized by bloating, indigestion, pain in the area of the stomach. That is what describes IBS symptoms. But research is needed for specifically functional dyspnea, which people can experience in a bunch of different diseases. That's not just like exclusive to IBS. But when we're talking about people with IBS, there's, it can, it may be something that can really help with that bloating okay. and abdominal pain. It okay. may be worth trying if you have IPS. For the general average person, I don't know. Not research saying for the average person without that. Have no idea. But I also say, so with like peppermint oil, peppermint tea, like people will sometimes recommend having peppermint tea after mm-hmm. dinner or something like that. And peppermint tea, it's not a con- you're not going to get a con- concentrated uh, amount of this oil for it to have that effect, but peppermint tea is warm. 
and warm can be relaxing to the stomach and it Mm. might relax your stomach a little bit. That's the only reason why tea may be a little bit more, it may just relax your stomach a little bit. But again, for the average person, not much research out there, but IBS, people with IBS, that's a large amount of people. So I felt like it was significant enough to bring in this specific supplement because with anything yeah. like for IBS, it's it, it can be debilitating. Peppermint oil is cheaper to try. I was going to say, I think it's dirt try. cheap, isn't it? It's very, very cheap. So if you try taking it after meals, it may help you if you have IBS, but again, it might not. That is the nature of a supplement. There is never going to be a guarantee yeah. and it's, but I felt like it was worth mentioning because it's one of the few supplements that has research. Well, I was like, even worth mentioning just because raise your hand if you've heard of this before. I feel like most people are like, what? You can take this for gut health? Like, yeah. I just don't think, like yeah. everyone's heard of, you know, they've heard of all these things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's worth, yeah. I think it's worth it. I thought mm-hmm. it was really cool. Yeah. I think it's cool. I might just take it to get peppermint burps. Up a little bit. <laughs> I still take it every now and then if I have like fried food. I used mm. to take it every single day when I was in a really bad spot, but I don't know. I, I can't say. I tried so many things. I used to, I don't know if you knew, I saw a functional yeah. medicine doctor before I went to my GI doctor in, and it was very different you experiences. A, you went on a journey. You went on a little I went journey. On, I was trying everything and I I'm a sucker for, I like to prove people wrong. Like I fucking love it. If you know me from social, if you're coming here from my social media or follow me, you know that I love to do that. And I like to be evidence-based. It's my foundation, but I also understand and am empathetic for the people who you're just searching for hope. Like you, you feel like no one's, nothing's helping. You've tried everything or no one believes you, especially with stomach problems. Like even though I will shit on a lot of products that don't work, I also understand the want to try things because if there was even the slightest bit of potential, I know I was at that point once where I was like, you know what, honestly, if it could have the slightest effect, I'm trying it because I don't know what else to do at this point. Yeah. So like I, I, feel, also, and I've been, I can yeah, empathize with that too then. That makes yeah. it because I didn't think about it from that side, but I've been in positions too where you try things that m- other people might shake their heads at. But it's like when you're in a corner and nothing else is working, mm-hmm. you just kind of shoot your shot. You try some things. But so it makes then- sense. If those people go and turn around and hop on their phone on the internet and say, That's this cured me, I was bloated for this many years, shows a before and after picture, and everything changed once I started taking this, then I have zero empathy for you anymore. You just changed my <laughs> opinion of you because it's just like crushed. You of all people know that not everyone is the same and yeah. you've been told that things should work for you and they don't. So why are you doing that? <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Period. Period T. Period T. Mic drop. <laughs> all right. That was a long one. Thank you all I for know, I'm sorry. I got it. No, no, I think it was all needed. It was all needed. Yeah. Thank you all for joining us. We will put everything that we talked about needed in the show notes below. So, like, if you guys are interested in probiotics like Legion's new biome or seeds or anything else we talked about, we'll go ahead and put all the important notes in the show notes below. But thank you all for hanging out with us today. We love it. We love you. Go eat a vegetable. Go eat a vegetable. See you soon.